Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leacoris. On this episode, I speak with Rachel Druckenmiller, keynote speaker and founder of Unmuted, about well-being in our professional lives, how business owners can improve employee engagement, and what it means to truly humanize a workplace. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org partners. So, Rachel, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of Contracting Conversations. How are you today? I'm great. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Me too. So glad to have you. So my first question for you, Rachel, is when did you realize you had a passion for well-being, specifically as it pertains to workplace environments? Well, I mean, for me, I I was somebody who struggled with a lot of health issues growing up. And I find that a lot of times our, you know, our, our messes get turned into our messages. And so for me, for so much of my life, I just, I really struggled with my health. And I also grew up in a home where my parents are very entrepreneurial and my dad listened to Tony Robbins and watched Oprah. (laughs) So I got exposed to just like these more, you know, I guess, innovative and integrative ways of approaching our health. And then For me, once I got into the workplace, um, you know, I I took that interest in understanding human behavior and then this struggle that I've had for so much of my life with different health issues and being sick. And I thought about how can I how can I marry these? How can I combine these things influenced by my dad, who was also a management consultant? So I got to see, you know, he worked in corporate. So I sort of combined all these different pieces of where I came from and what interested me and what I got exposed to at a young age. And I just sort of followed um, what my dad refers to as interest-driven work. I just followed my passion and and made up my job, you know, when I got out of college and have been in the industry for 16 years at this point. That's amazing. And I, I don't think I've ever heard turn your mess into your message. That's that's really inspirational, first of all. And I think you're right, just the perfect mindset to be in when you're kind of exploring entrepreneurial ventures and kind of breaking away from, hey... I, you know, I don't see a job that is, you know, really meant for me. So I'm going to make the job that's meant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. (laughs) So how did you come to found unmuted? So my, yeah, my company's called unmuted. And as somebody who silenced a lot of aspects, I think all of us, you know, all of us silence different aspects of who we are. We silence what we want or what we think or what we feel. Uh, We silence our bodies. You know, like for me, I had all these health issues my whole life and couldn't get to the root of why I kept getting sick. And um, we, we silence our self-expression, we silence our creative expression, you know, once we get past the age of like seven, because we just judge ourselves a lot, you know? And I saw that I did this myself, that I was muting a lot of these aspects of who I was. And so I wanted to, to, to really do something about that and to stand for something. And so as somebody who was raised by two entrepreneurs, so I saw my parents really kind of create their own path and have this sense of autonomy that was really attractive to me growing up. And I took the work I had done in corporate for 13 years, working with organizations and their leaders and teams around employee engagement and around optimizing well-being and supporting workplace culture. 
And I realized the thing I love to do more than anything in the midst of my job as a consultant and a speaker and trainer was speaking and training. Like that was the thing I love to do more than anything else. And I said, well, and it, what started to happen is people started reaching out to me directly. They were like kind of bypassing my company. They would reach out on LinkedIn. Can you speak at this event? I'm like, what? I started doing the math, you know, I'm like, how many of these do I need to do <laughs> to be able to foot my own bill, you know? And so in the fall of 2019, after seven years of contemplating leaving my job and doing my own thing, I decided that it was it was time. It was time to to kind of step away from the that comfortable, familiar place of having a nine to five full time job through somebody else at the age of 35, which I'm the primary breadwinner of my family. Like this is not, this was not like an easy decision, but it was something that I felt like I, I knew that I had to do because I felt like the messages that I had to share and the things I knew I could help people with were something I didn't want to delay anymore. And I didn't want to mute or downplay anymore. I wanted to do it the way I wanted to do it and have total freedom uh, to figure out what that might look like, you know? So here I am two and a half, two and a half years later, facilitated, gotten through a, a pandemic, flipped my business in the midst of that, facilitated close to 300 virtual learning experiences around unmuting ourselves and resilience and all of that. And it's been, I have no regrets at all. And I, and I love, I love what I get to do. This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Affinity Programs. Learn how you can take advantage of BSCAI negotiated special rates and member-only savings on services, including background checks, office supplies, sales support, human resource advisory, insurance services, equipment rental, and more. Visit bscaiorg affinitypartners. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations, first of all. That's it takes a lot of courage to to branch out on your own and and kind of explore your your passion. So that's great. And kind of a follow-up question to that is now that you are kind of fully immersed in your entrepreneurial ventures with Unmuted, did it sort of all line up with your expectations? Were there challenges that arose that you weren't expecting? You know, is again make your mess your message, right? So I'm sure like there are still messes that that come with what you're currently doing too. Oh yeah. I mean, nobody nobody starts a full-time speaking and training business in person seven months before and expects a pandemic to hit seven months later and have all of your business disappear. Like <laughs> nobody expects that. But my messaging, I mean, fortunately, was around and my expertise was around employee engagement and well-being. And hey, this is really the importance of relevance, right? In business, so much of what we think about is how can I be relevant? How can I meet an immediate need? And people had an immediate need to get support around building resilience, around navigating how to engage people and around elevating well-being at a time where a lot of people were not feeling well and were feeling scared and anxious and and um and nervous. And so you know, and then six weeks after that happened, I was out running with my husband and got hit by a pickup truck and fractured my back. Yeah, can't make this stuff up. So it's like my mm. life is full of I didn't see it coming moments that I just and so I turned that into a keynote, make your message message. Well, shoot, I'm not going to let this beat me. So I would be in keynotes do in a back brace virtually. So thank goodness. Thank goodness I didn't have to travel because I wouldn't have been able to. Right. So, you know, you look at situations and you're like, oh, I wish this thing never happened. And like, but if this was going to happen, I'm kind of glad it's in this context and not the previous one. And I so I was like, well, I'm going to do a keynote called I'm Still Standing, Rising Up with Resilience When Life Knocks You Down. Like, I'm going to use this thing, you know. So 
we have that choice, you know, in business or in our, in our lives in general as leaders, when we face something that we didn't expect, we can choose to just stay mad at it. Um, or we can say, well, what, what new possibilities does this open up that, that wasn't available before? Or what new insight or perspective can I gain as a result of this? Or who can I now lean on or leverage or tap into to support me to get through this thing? Because now I realize I can't do this myself. You know, so I think we have the choice with, with you know, how we face and how we respond to the things that happen to us or around us, even the things that we don't like or the things we didn't see coming or the things that are really hard. It's a choice. Talk about resilience and and how scary. And I'm so sorry. That's that, geez, like freak accident. So kind of transitioning a little bit, can you speak to your specific approach when it comes to humanizing the workplace and what that truly means for businesses? You know, I think in the past two years, we've had the opportunity to get to see the human side. Like we've literally been in people's homes. We've been in their bedrooms. I mean, could there be a more intimate place in someone's house than like you staring at their bed in the background? Like, I think what has happened is there's been this shift and we can choose to, I think, make something good from it. Or we can just say, well, let's just try to get back to normal as fast as we can and pretend like that whole little blip in the middle where we got to see people's kids and we got to see their cat and we got to see like, Let's just pretend like that didn't happen. And, and, I, and I think that would be um, a really sad thing if we did that, because when it comes to humanizing the workplace, so often we put people in positions where they're just their task or they're just their title or they're just their role and their list of responsibilities. And we don't take the time to get to know them as a human being. And when we get to know people as human beings, we have more grace for them and we have more compassion and we have more patience. There's an organization I'm working with right now that's in healthcare. And I've been working with a, a, a team of about 40 people. And, you know, they found out that one of their team members has been dealing with cancer for the past year as a result of one of these small group interaction sessions that we did where we got them in and out of conversations with each other, meaningful conversations about stuff they don't normally talk about at a team level. That's a very human conversation. Like what's a way you've adapted in the past year that you're proud of or hey, tell me a story about a time you went through a difficult situation and you made it through. What did you learn? What strengths emerged in you? What's something you're proud of about yourself? You know, what's something you want to celebrate? These are human conversations that we just, we don't have on a consistent basis at work. But when we get to know what I like to refer to as the soul behind the role, when we get to know the soul behind the role, there's something like really powerful that can happen in an organization. And I think too many organizations are missing out on that because they think, oh, I don't want to it's crossing a line. There's their work self and then there's your home self and they should be separate people. And that's one of the reasons people are so darn exhausted because they feel like they have to constantly be two different, at least two different people. And I felt that way at work. I felt like I had to be two different people. It's one of the reasons I five years ago burned out and got mono, you know? So like, I think we have this opportunity to integrate even little things like virtually, like I do scavenger hunts with people or um, if I'm in an in-person event, I have people grab their phones and share a picture of someone or something that's meaningful to them. I've had people in tears in two minutes, two minutes, strangers, and even people that know each other already in tears because they had this opportunity to connect over something that's meaningful to them, that humanizes them. And I, I just think we have so much potential to tap into that in a more significant way and to really start with our leaders, to start with training leaders on how to be more conscious, be more self-aware, 
have an understanding of how the brain navigates change and what reactive behavior looks like and to think about when they've been at their best and what shows up when they are and to give them skills to be genuinely curious and to demonstrate more compassion and care. When I think of what it is to humanize work, I think it's those things being more conscious and curious and compassionate and caring. And that takes energy and that takes intention, but man, it's so worth it. And it makes work so much more of a pleasant place to be. Absolutely. Um, and that's a great segue into my next question. What do you believe and you, and you touched on this a little bit, but what do you believe are some of the biggest challenges or roadblocks companies are facing when it comes to kind of maintaining or nurturing employee engagement and wellness? A lot. We need like five hours. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of things that stand out. One, certainly the mental health crisis has been exacerbated by the pandemic. There's no doubt about that. People are, people have been traumatized at different levels, right? When when we go through experiences that we did not expect, that I didn't see it coming moments, right? When we have these things that happen and we're not necessarily equipped or resourced for how to navigate them and we don't, it never lets up. I think a lot of people have been feeling like there's no respite and it looks different for different people, right? In terms of the challenges they've had. Some people have lost loved ones. Some people have um, lost jobs. Some people have, everyone's lost their sense of, you know, necessarily s- safety and familiarity and sense of like freedom in different ways. You know, all of those things have been disrupted and there's a grieving process that we have to acknowledge people are going through and people are grieving and grief looks like at one of its stages, anger and frustration and depression. Anger, frustration, and depression are part of the grief process. And we have to acknowledge that people that are maybe being a bit more irritable than normal, or maybe a bit more aggressive or a bit more reactive are probably not doing it just because they're trying to tick you off. <laughs> like they're, they're probably doing it because they are they are maxed and they don't have enough resources to respond to the demands that are placed on them cumulatively at work and at home. So when it comes to some of the challenges, that's one of them, certainly mental health and well-being, emotional health and well-being, and all of that trickles down and affects our physical health and well-being as well. But also there's 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 a really great book I'd recommend anyone listening check out. It's called um, The Truth About Employee Engagement by a guy named Patrick Lencioni. And he talks about something in the book called the job misery triangle. <laughs> and he says, which is essentially the things that drive disengagement at work. And they are anonymity. So basically, I don't feel like um, my manager really sees me, recognizes me, values me, appreciates me. Like we need to feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated at work in order to be engaged. And most organizations would benefit by just starting with that. To what extent are you genuinely acknowledging and recognizing and validating the efforts that your people are putting forth on more than just your quarterly or annual review? That needs to happen. I had a friend, (laughs) Jason Luritsen, once said, Annual performance reviews are kind of like annual friendship appraisals. Could you imagine if on an annual basis you went to a friend and you were like, so remember nine months ago when you sent me this text message and it really upset me? We need to talk, <laughs> we need to talk about that. We need, we need to talk about that. And they're like, that was nine months ago. And like your employees feel the same way when you're bringing stuff up that happened like nine months ago. Address it in the moment, you know, and think about, hey, if you're about to critique somebody, when is the last time you praised that person? pause, check yourself. When is the last time you gave that person any positive or affirming feedback? Because next, I think it's Stephen Covey said next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is psychological survival to be understood, to be affirmed, to be validated and to be appreciated. That's what we need. And if organizations did nothing else, but started with that and getting clear, there's, there's another book called how full is your bucket that really by Tom Rath, who's with Gallup, 
um, did a lot of work with Gallup. And the focus of that book is really helping you identify, well, what are the specific ways we might want to fill people's buckets and appreciate them? So anonymity is one. Another driver is a measurement. So can people gauge and measure their own success? Most people in organizations are like, I don't really know <laughs> if I'm doing what's expected. I don't even know if um, I'm meeting whatever metrics I'm expected because I don't know what the metrics are. I don't know what I'm being measured up against. And so if people don't have the ability to measure their own um, progress or contribution, it's hard to stay engaged and motivated. And then the last factor is relevance. So people need to be able to answer the question, who am I helping and why does it matter? And if people can't answer that question, it's going to be hard for them to long-term stay engaged at work. So those are some of the things that organizations would benefit from taking a look at. Like, do we have clear practices and consistent practices and meaningful practices around recognition, um, making our making sure our people feel feel supported and seen, and and like they matter? Frankly, can they gauge their own success? And do they feel relevant? And we know that when people have high career well-being, according to Gallup, that they're when their career well-being is high, they're twice as likely to be high in all the other areas of well-being, like physical and community and social and financial well-being. So. That's why starting in the workplace is so, so, so important because organizations can influence all of those drivers of employee engagement. For building service contractors and BSC business owners, what are some mechanisms that those leaders or just all employees in that specific company can employ to ensure that they don't burn out? So one thing, there was uh, some research done at the start of the pandemic in April of 2020 that came out from a group called Culture X and Josh Burson who's a futurist, um, really inspiring guy. And one of the things that they found, they asked employees, what are the steps your employer has taken that are most meaningful or most important to you? And they asked, well, you know, like, you know, technology subsidies and frequent communication, and, which was important. But the thing they found that employees valued the most was frequent check-ins. And there's a difference between checking, this is my interpretation of all of it. There's a difference between checking in on somebody because you genuinely care and checking up on somebody because you're micromanaging them. People don't want to be checked up on. They don't want to feel like someone's looking over their shoulder monitoring their existence. They don't really want to feel that. But they do want to feel like someone reached out and said, hey, just want to check in, see how things are going. How can I best support you right now? A question that all leaders should be asking the people that they lead. How can I best support you right now? What does support look like for you? Do you have the training and tools and support that you need to be able to do your job well? And if you don't, What's the first change that would be most meaningful or important to you? Most employers, most managers, are, they're not asking people these questions. And people are left to get to the point where they're burned out and checked out and sometimes then leave because they haven't had anybody who has like even pretended to like give a darn about who they are and about what they might need to do their job well. So I think part of it is, is this check-in process of having a consistent way of checking in, even if it's a part of a weekly check-in that you're doing with somebody, instead of like, all right, are you clear on all of your tasks that you need to be doing? Hey, how are you as a person? Or uh, there's a question I remember hearing from Ariana Huffington one time of what's um, the most important thing outside of work that helps you thrive? What's the most important thing? And they found that in this particular case, there was a mom who um, kept being late for her morning meetings. Less, I mean, depending now might be re less relevant if you know, she could do them virtually, but they, she kept being late for these morning meetings. And it was, a, it was a point of contention with her manager. And the manager asked the question, like, what's the most important thing outside of your work that helps you thrive? And she said, being able to drop my kid off in the morning at daycare. The meetings that her manager scheduled were at 7.30 a.m. Daycare drop-off was at 7.30 a.m. Well, that's an easy fix. They just had a conversation and they switched the time of the meeting. 
And then she could still have her need met of dropping her kid off and she could still be present for a meeting at work. So I think when we get curious, we open the door to possibility for like, hey, what if it, what if we can figure out a way to work, make it work for both of us? And I think that's another important question that could be asked. Like, how can we figure out a way to make X, whatever X is, work for both of us? Like, how can we figure that out? We need to get these things done. We want to make sure we keep you around, keep you happy, right? Great resignation is for real. So the, those check-ins, I think, are, are and the consistent check-ins are, are so important. That recognition, being consistent with recognition and finding out you know, some people love public recognition. Some people are absolutely terrified about the idea of being publicly recognized. Take the time to find out. And again, that book, How Full Is Your Bucket? Super easy book to use that to determine and keep track of, you know, what's meaningful? What would be meaningful to your people to recognize them? I would say also bringing a group of people together at your organization, instead of feeling like we're the leaders or we're the HR team or whatever it is that the people that often have to figure everything out, bring a representative representative group of people from your company together and have them problem solve and figure out how to optimize the situation. So for instance, if there's a certain, one thing I've seen re recently is how do we foster connection and communication in a hybrid environment? I've had that question from a lot of companies. And so I said, well, look, instead of like me as a consultant coming in and telling you what to do, or you as the HR team having to figure it out, let's get a group of 50 people from across the company together and invite them to think about, hey, how might we, it was a design thinking question, possibility, how might we be creative and resourceful in how we foster connection and communication in a hybrid environment? And they come together and you can facilitate, this can be done virtually. I facilitated this virtually dozens and dozens of times. There's so many collaboration tools, you can get real-time feedback and capture all of that and get hundreds of ideas from your own people. And then guess what? When people are involved, they're engaged. When people are involved in the process of coming up with solutions, they care a lot more when those solutions then get selected and implemented because they feel like they had something to do with it and then they're more likely to support it instead of go against it. So I think that's another thing that employers can be doing is to be asking their people, you know, like, how might we be creative or resourceful in how we do this and how we support your health and well-being? How might, what support, you know, what would it look like if you were getting the support you needed for your health and well-being from us? Be willing to ask the questions, be willing to bring your people together and facilitate the conversations. And then most importantly, be willing to act on what you hear. I think too, this, you know, what you're talking about is just part of this great adaptation that we're yes. experiencing and those that don't adapt. I mean, they're going to continue to see people resign. They're going to continue to see their employees burn out. So I think again, kind of acknowledging that there, there is a culture shift. There is, you know, gone are the days where things are sterile and people at the top maintain complete control without consulting with, you know, it could be like an associate, like someone who just started their yes. opinion still matters. You know, yes. you want to keep everybody at all levels, you know, high functioning and engaged and, you know, mentally healthy because again, it's, it's just kind of a, there's like an osmosis happening. So if some people, you know, they start to feel like, oh, we're not being heard and we're burning out how easily then another group starts to feel that way and so on and so forth. And then you have a major culture problem that is probably harder to solve than if you were to just upfront ask them what, what makes you happy, what will keep you happy here, what will keep you engaged in the work that you're doing. So, yeah. And to even think about, Hey, think about a time where you felt, cause most of the time it's funny. If we ask a direct question, people often don't know the answer. We're really bad at predicting. We're really bad at predicting what makes us happy. Um, so even asking people, hey, tell me a story about a time where you felt really engaged and dialed in at work. 
get people within the company to tell stories to each other. We can draw themes out of stories or, you know, get them to share, hey, tell a story about a time where you realized that the that the work you did mattered. Like what happened? Who was involved? I mean, I did this the other day with a, a company in healthcare recruiting and the woman shared that her mother just fractured her pelvis and had to be taken to the hospital and the hospital was the same hospital where this woman worked in healthcare recruiting. And she said she got choked up because she said, I made me realize like how important it is that we hire the right people because these people are potentially taking care of our loved ones. It was like, that's meaningful. I have a story around why the work I do matters because the people I'm hiring are potentially caring for my mom. Wow, meaning. And everyone, regardless of what industry you're in, can have that conversation with your people and with as a leader, have that conversation as a leadership team. Let's go around and tell stories about why the work we do matters, why it's meaningful, why it's important in the world, what impact it has. Like tell your stories to each other and remind yourselves why it's so important to hang in there and so important to keep going with what you're doing because the world needs it. Absolutely. Well, those are all the questions I have for you. I really appreciate you joining me today, Rachel. I greatly enjoyed our discussion and I know our listeners are going to enjoy it as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. If people want to stay connected, I'm on LinkedIn and post about this kind of stuff. I've got a newsletter on there and podcasts that I'm on this kind of thing. So that's a great place to get connected to. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.